I'm Andrew Murata, host of the Education Leadership and Beyond podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you are listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Instant Relevance Podcast. The Instant Relevance Podcast is an educational podcast featuring the latest news and resources to make learning relevant for all students. Follow us on Twitter at InstantRel. Welcome to this episode of the Instant Relevance Podcast, and we are excited to have with us today Diana Gill, who is the Technology Director at East Porter Public Schools, but also more than that is the author of the newly published Copyrighteous, uh, which is a book put out by Dave Burgess Consulting, and uh, it's kind of a new, fresh idea and some uh, some new things to share with educators that aren't just floating around there in the education space right now. So I'm really excited to hear more about that and to hear more about that mission and that message. And at the same time, uh, Diana, I want to pass this over to you and say, you know, what is driving you in education now? Is it copyrighteous? Is it something else when you get out of bed in the morning and think, hey, I'm going to school today as tech director of the East Porter Public Schools? What makes you excited for that every day? Awesome. Thanks, Dennis. I'm um, excited to be here and chat with you guys tonight. Um, you know, this year has really been a year of kind of learning and transition for me um, as far as like my role in at East Porter County Schools. Um, I'm a brand new tech director. This is my first year in that role. And if you would have asked me 15 years ago if this would be where I found myself, I would have been like, no way. Um, but my career in education has kind of naturally evolved from um, a high school English teacher. And then I got really into leadership um, specifically for blended learning and technology enhanced learning, um, which kind of naturally evolved into my role as a technology director. Um, and in my role as a technology director, you know, I don't come from a highly technical background. I come from the classroom. And I think that that really serves me um, as a servant leader. I want to come up with creative solutions to help teachers help students. Um, and I also, you know, I want to stay really connected to what's happening in the curriculum world. And what makes me so excited about Copyrighteous is that it supports educators as creators. So it's that's kind of a, a long answer that has a lot of components to it. You know, but if I were to pick one thing that makes me super pumped about what I do, I would say, you know, it's, it's supporting teachers as, um, as creative professionals. Congratulations on the new role. Uh, that is quite a span going from uh, high school English teacher to tech director. I really like how um, as a former educator, you're able to bring a different background to that position. Traditionally, I've kind of seen uh, the tech director as, you know, an IT person type thing, that sort of personality. And we're always bridging that gap, trying to educate the tech department on uh, how teaching really works and how we can be supported in the classroom. So bringing that um, background of, of teaching into that role has to be really powerful. Um, I wanted to shift uh, and ask you some questions about uh, your new book. Um, uh, I was looking at uh, the back of it. I was looking at the reviews and I was talking a lot about how following copyright law uh, as a teacher can actually make us better creators. 
And uh, I would love for you to talk a little bit more about that because as a teacher, um, when I think about copyright law or um, copyright in general as it pertains to my job, I usually just think about you know what I can make copies of and what I can't and what I can snip on the computer and what what I can't um, according to the law, you know, not physically what I can do. So how can we take that kind of from you know that simple understanding of you know just making copies uh, to a broader sense, especially in the digital age? That's a really good question, and you know, copyright just it took. It took me some time to, and I pivoted a lot and I really thought about, you know, I have a, I have this message and I have a way to support educators and I see a need to talk about copyright education, but it took me a while to kind of figure out how to get that message out there. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, I wanted to talk about copyright, but it's like, like what you said, sometimes if I'm like, hey, let's talk about copyright law. Well, Teachers have so many plates spinning as it is, and it can be, um, you know, interpreted as another thing I have to worry about or, you know, oh, I don't want to talk about copyright because I don't want to hear a, a list of things I'm not supposed to be doing, right? Like real life in the trenches, in the classroom, you've got a bunch of preps, you've got a bunch of kids, and you, you're trying to do the best that you can day by day. Um, and so... What I realized, though, was the whole time I was trying to figure out, like, how to make this an approachable message. I had that that message all along, and all I really needed to do was tell my story. Um, as, as a teacher, what kind of happened to me when I wanted to make my own materials? And so, you know, at the end of that, what stood out to me in my own story was as I started to understand copyright law, um, a number of things happened. First, I, I went to better places to find my resources. And once I shifted where I was looking for things, I had access to higher quality. And then once I saw, you know, what was out there that was already, that had already been created and I learned how I was allowed to use it, I could take those things and remix them and put my own personality in it. Um, or add in like a pop culture reference or make it specific to the interests of my students in my classroom at that time, um, it made me a, a better designer. And, and having access to higher quality materials, it also would teach me strategies that I could then use those new. So encourages a culture of sharing. And in the book, I talk a lot about you know how we have to have each other's backs in education, um, that collaboration is king. And, you know, I think that with, with this idea that we need to be sharing with each other, there are some challenges. So sometimes, you know, I'd be in a situation where I felt like I was sharing all the stuff I was making or finding, but maybe I wasn't getting that back. Or maybe I would share something and someone might interpret it as, oh, well, does she think that like I need to improve because she's giving me this? Or, you know, maybe I would share something and someone would say, well, do I have to do it like this? So there's, and, and in the book, I talk about a, a bunch of different hurdles to sharing. Um, but one of the things that, that you can do is license your own materials that you create and kind of take back and manage the terms of copyright as it applies to the things that you're making. 
um, to feel more comfortable kind of sharing like, hey, I made this or I remixed this from a resource that I found that was openly licensed and I want you to use it like, but hey, could you just give me credit? You know, sometimes we want credit for the creative work that we're doing or other times I'm like, don't worry about attributing me or hey, give me credit, use this however you want to but go ahead and license your stuff so that it encourages kind of that ripple effect as well. And so I think it's partially, it made me a better designer and also it encouraged a culture of sharing. And I think those two things combined is really powerful. It's pretty interesting how a lot of what you just mentioned about views toward copyright, things like uh, is, is, uh, what can I have? What can I use? What can I find? Uh, where should I find it? Who should I credit for this? Am I supposed to credit somebody for this? Or can I just snip off someone else's name and credit myself for this? Or do I even have to tell anybody what I'm doing right or wrong? Or is sharing my idea not good because I really like it and I want to keep it for myself? Uh, these things are are interestingly like and. Uh, I think everybody needs to, to understand that there's a lot of medium ground here. You know, if you're truly proud of something you created and you value it, then maybe you want to make sure that your name stays on it so that other people will value your work. And that's totally okay. We live in a world where there's way more information and uh, good work being shared. So it should be known where it came from. Because like you said, when you started looking through better places for material, you started finding better material. Our content will never get into those spaces of better places, if you will, unless we start to make sure people know where it came from, and then we become a trusted resource. So uh, it's a really interesting idea that you're putting out there for people because it's more than just, let's talk about copyright law and make sure that you're all following the rules within a school and education space. It's look at how paying attention to this can make you a better teacher and can make you a better instructor to others to to our young students so uh my question for you is when you've had some some of these presentations you've done on this work and you've worked with some teachers on it what are some of uh the most interesting things that you've heard back either um crazy things or kickback or or some fight back sure that's that's also a great question um let's see i have lots of answers to this um, you know, I was, I was working with some technology coaches and leaders on this topic of how technology leaders and administrators can help, um, promote this kind of a culture. And someone was like, well, what do you do if, if a teacher's like, eh, um, I'm not going to worry about that. Cause guess what? I'm not going to get in trouble. Okay. That's real. You know, maybe you won't get in trouble and like caught, I guess with copyright violations. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think it's fair. Like, I don't want this to become like an, I gotcha kind of thing, but let's be real. There are schools who, who have gotten quote unquote in trouble, um, for this kind of thing. And when I talk about copyright, I try to avoid that, um, you know, talking about all of the legal cases about copyright, because I don't want it to be like an I gotcha. I want it to be like, you know, we owe it to our students to to have an understanding of this because it kind of crosses over into protection of intellectual property. It crosses over into digital citizenship. It crosses over into information literacy. But we can't promote those skills and help our students grow those skills 
if we don't have an understanding of them in our in our class, right? And I think the easiest way for educators to grow those skills themselves so that they can feel confident in passing them along to their kids is through the creation and curation of instructional materials because it's relevant to what we have to do for our role every single day. And so when someone is like, well, hey, I'm not going to get in trouble, so I'm not going to worry about this. Uh, I worked with a, my in my former life as an English teacher. I worked with the most amazing media specialist, and she would always say to me, work with the living and the dead will rise. And so, you know, not everyone's going to agree with you. Not everyone's going to worry about copyright. Some people are going to be like, mm -hmm, yeah, and then they're going to do their thing. That's okay. Um, it might be a slow moving message at times because at the surface, it feels like a list of things you're not supposed to be doing, but at the heart of it, it really is about, and in the book, I talk about this. It's about fighting for your right to party educators, teachers in the classroom know what's best for their kids. So we have to empower them to be able to make decisions about the materials and the curriculum that they're using to teach kids skills and copyright can support that not be the death of it. So that's that's one thing I talk about with with um, people a lot. The other thing that comes up a lot is, you know, who owns the materials that we are creating for our classroom and who owns the materials or the things that students are producing as part of their their class. So that's a that's a big conversation that comes up with this. Um, so under work for hire Unless there's something written in, in a teacher contract that um, allows teachers to maintain ownership of the things that they're creating as part of their role, the district owns those materials, even if it isn't explicitly mentioned in the contract under work for hire. And then by contrast, a student, if a student creates something for a course, even if they earn a grade for that thing um, and credit for a course, they maintain ownership of it. So what's interesting to me is like, how can we get teachers and students so excited about the things that they're creating that they want to maintain ownership of it? Um, and then the other thing that comes up a lot is, and I had a, I have a friend in the state who loves to share the stuff that she makes, makes all kinds of amazing resources, shares them freely and openly. Um, a couple of years ago, Somebody took all the things that she was sharing so openly, put their name on it, dumped it on Teachers Pay Teachers, and was selling it as though they created it. So, uh, you know, Teachers Pay Teachers comes up a lot. This idea of who owns what comes up a lot. And then this idea of, you know, I'm not going to get caught, so I'm not going to worry about it. Um, and I could talk for hours on each of those topics, but I would say those are probably the, the big three. Yeah, I think that really brings up a lot of uh, questions as an educator because, you know, as we continue on in our careers, we kind of become this mismatch uh, of all the different curriculum we've used in the past and all the different lessons we've tried and pulling things together. Even though there is this push, you know, for more scripted curriculum and kind of out-of-the-box curriculum, you know, teachers are always going to be uh, taking what they're given and, and putting their own twist on it. And it's hard to tell as an educator, uh, you know, what can I use? Uh, like, for instance, uh, outside of my school in a professional development uh, situation, or what can I share freely on the Internet that, you know, might be 80% mine, but 20% someone else's. And uh, especially with teacher, Teachers Pay Teachers, 
for the longest time, uh, the, uh, you know, the internet for teaching was kind of the wild, wild west. You just, everything was free. You could, you know, search and, you know, a lot of textbooks were even online and that sort of thing. And now it seems like, you know, free resources are being harder to find because they're behind paywalls like teachers pay teachers. But um, it really does bring this uh, conversation down to uh, quality materials as well. How do we know uh, what is research-based, what is quality uh, for our students, and not just something that we found that's free on the internet. So um, I guess, uh, you know, shifting the conversation towards students, though, um, what type of uh, activities or what type of uh, skills do you see copyright bringing to our students so that ultimately they can become create better creators as well? Yeah, I think you brought up a couple interesting points there. You know, one of the things I want to mention, um, I think, you know, it's really important to talk about the difference between free and open. So any sort of professional learning we can do to encourage districts and schools to support teachers in um, exploring open ed resources, knowing how they can use them, and then then helping develop a vetting process for, you know, what does high quality look like? What are the things that are non-negotiable for you? Like, how do you make sure that you're choosing resources you find online that are accessible, that kind of thing? I think it's really important that leadership in districts, um, you know, dedicate time and money resources to helping us do that. Because you're right, like, one of my biggest issues with teachers pay teachers is that there's not um, any sort of like research based vetting. And we have to become our own vetters because there's, like you said before, there's, there, we can find anything um, out there online and we have to trust ourselves to, to be able to vet those resources quickly and accurately. So um, commenting on that, as far as with students, I think that, um, you know, everything we do in every content area, when we get online, we have a responsibility, every single one of us has a responsibility to support students in areas of digit and info lit, media literacy and, um, and copyright and all of those things. Um, and it can be overwhelming because we're trying to do a million and one things. And so what my recommendation to educators is, is to, um, to start with images. Every one of us uses images in some capacity, no matter what your role is. We ask students to use images we use images in our online content. Administrators are using images um, in their newsletters, whatever. And so it's it's kind of a really simple way to start having this conversation. How do you find an image? How do you make sure you're allowed to use it? Are you allowed to modify it? And then how do you make sure that you're providing the proper attribution? Or where can you go to find an image that allows you to use it however you want that doesn't require any sort of attribution at all. And so you're you're able to have that conversation and then that can kind of provide a foundation of, um, of info. That's info lit basically, right? Like how can you use something? Where do you go to find it? And how do you cite it correctly after you use it? So starting with images is my recommendation. And I have some resources that I've been sharing out to help educators do that, um, to chunk that, those concepts and you might not have time to go into this huge unit about copyright every time you teach a project or something, but you could spend a little bit of time 
on a mini lesson of just, hey guys, this is where we're going to go to look for images this time. Here's why. And guess what? I just saved you a step because you don't have to cite those images because they're in the public domain and you're still able to have that conversation um, in a less than overwhelming way. This really interesting, uh, I guess, underpinning to this whole thing. And it's, it's our, our modeling as teachers, like as educators, teachers, leaders, administrators, we always talk about modeling for the kids, modeling, um, being a lifelong learner, modeling, being, uh, you know, uh, modeling our relationships, modeling our professionalism for kids. Um, a lot of the times we forget that we're modeling the difference between honesty and dishonesty. And there's a, a big gap here where too many things that are, uh, let's call it mildly or moderately dishonest, just like taking an image for our own or taking something for our own without uh, letting them know where it came from or taking something from someone else and using it as our own. Uh, it's dishonest. And and the more we model, uh, I guess, uh, absent-minded dishonest or maybe not even absent-minded, uh, just um, uh, disaffected dishonesty, uh, the more that might become pervasive in our classrooms and in the education we're actually giving our kids. Like, yeah, I know math is important and I want to teach you math and I'm going to use this fun image to do it and I'm going to use this thing, but you're, but you're going to realize that I took it from somewhere and didn't, didn't let anybody know where I took it from, then you might devalue our relationship a little bit more. You might break, out, break down the actual fabric of the relationships that we're trying to build. And I think uh, that is another aspect of the work that you're doing with this book is it's not only going to put out to a message to teachers, hey, look at look at all of the wonderful things that you can do as a creator, as a finder, as a, a reviser, as a changer, uh, and to teach your kids to be creators too. But look at how you can model honesty in a daily and moment by moment way for your kids without having to have a conversation with them about cheating and dishonesty or something like that. Like you're just simply modeling it by by doing this and i think that's a really powerful thing for you um as you share your message is knowing that teachers can walk away from it feeling like i not only is this worth doing because of law and because of my own responsibilities as a professional but it's worth doing because i might be affecting the way the adults of the future you know view the world around them whether they're going to make a choice for honesty or dishonesty so i don't know if you've uh, had that as, as a part of the message um or not yet but I do appreciate like all of the work that you're doing to share both um, this message and your pathway to get here. You've been through uh, so many different avenues. I know I have too, going from math and teaching and coaching and supervising and being a director. And you've gone through the English classroom all the way to the tech director position and author. And um, it's a crazy roller coaster. So uh, you're probably out there in a lot of places. So my question uh, is, can you share you know, with our audience, where they can get in touch with you? What, where can they find you if they either want to learn more about this message, learn more about you, or um, just connect with you on social media? Yeah, I would love to connect. Um, I'm on Twitter at Diana R. Gale, and my website is dianaargale.com. Um, that's where I post resources, and I have a micro podcast about copyright just related messages. Um, and I love you know, helping out in any way. I have people um, who I've connected with on Twitter who will just periodically be like, hey, read this terms of service for this technology tool and let me know what you think. And we'll kind of come to a decision about, about whether or not it's appropriate 
for young um, students together. Like I love doing stuff like that. So Twitter, um, Facebook, Diana Argill and um, dianaargill.com. I would love to connect. All right, Diana, thank you so much for taking your time and uh, bringing up an important issue and uh, leading the charge on making us more honest and being uh, better role models for the students around us. So thank you again for taking your time. I know you're busy and uh, uh, we hope to see more of you uh, online and uh, all the other great stuff you're doing. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. 